Good morning. It's so nice to sit up in the front here and hear so many beautiful voices uh, singing together. That's just a real joy and a real treat. And uh, let me say Happy New Year uh, to you. Hard to believe we've come to the end of a year and the beginning of another one here in just a few days, really. And as uh, the year 2019 draws to a close, as we face the prospect of a new year, there's a lot of possible things we could focus on. We might reflect on the year that's passed. We might uh, think about things we want to do differently in the year to come. And uh, New Year's resolutions, you know, they, they vary wildly. Everybody's got different ideas there. There's some that's more common than others, right? Weight loss, always a common one, especially after all our holiday indulgences. Uh, gym memberships spike in January only to fall back off like six weeks later, right? So dieting and exercise always top the list of New Year's resolutions, don't they? Uh, I I read something this week. The most common resolution this year in the state of Washington is to save money. So that means a lot of us probably thinking about that. Well, whatever your goals or resolutions might be, at the end of the day, all of us just want to be better people, right? We uh, We all recognize we could be doing better in our lives, whether it's the discipline of eating or exercise or the the self-discipline of managing our money well, we all recognize there's a a gap between where we are and where we'd like to be. And some of our resolutions are less about uh, physical development and more about spiritual development, right? In fact, you might be surprised to learn, as I was surprised to learn this, that more than half of American adults wish they read the Bible more often. 58% of us feel that way. Uh, In fact, the phrase, how to study the Bible, receives over 538,000 unique searches on YouTube in America each month. A lot of us are looking to make ourselves better, spiritually speaking. We all recognize that gap between where we are and where we wish we could be. And yet, like so many of us, uh, resolutions, they start strong, only to fizzle out over time. But what if there was a way to break that cycle? What if there was a way to bridge the gap, really bridge the gap between where we are and where we'd like to be? What if there was a way to grow ourselves into the kinds of people, the kind of ways that that, that pay dividends, not just this year, but for all eternity? As we look at a brand new year, I want to challenge each of us to think a little differently. I want to challenge each of us to make a resolution, not just a normal resolution to try to make ourselves better, but I want us to make a resolution for other people. And I don't mean uh, we're going to help other people with their own resolutions, like, hey, put that donut down, you're supposed to be dieting. No, no, no. I mean, we're going to resolve for ourselves to fill that gap between where we are and where we want to be, but we're going to do it with an eye on other people. How can we invest in ourselves so that we can better invest in other people? And the way we're going to do that is very simple. We're going to start this morning by just opening up our Bibles. We're going to see this morning a person, a person in the Bible who did exactly what we're talking about. He resolved to make himself a better person, not for his own sake, but for the sake of others. There's a person who serves as a a model for us, a person who models for us how we can prioritize our lives, not just around our own interests and growth, but around the growth of other people. Because ultimately, that's the kind of growth that will stick. That's the kind of growth that will honor God. Whether we're adults or teens or kids, we can all resolve this year to be better for the sake of other people. 
And the person who serves as our model today, it's a person you may not know that much about. Uh, You may not know anything about. But he's a hero of sorts. He's a great model for us. And the person I'm talking about is a person in the Bible named Ezra. Ezra was a scribe, meaning he was a person who fulfilled a lot of different roles. He was part uh, scholar, like any of us who've gone to school or some of us still are students. He was part uh, messenger, communicating all kinds of different things to different people. He was part secretary, organizing a lot of people and resources. And he was part writer. He was a creative person. He wrote the book of Ezra. Uh, In other words, he was just as busy as you and I are. And Ezra, he came of age in a very unique time in the history of God's people. The Persian Empire was in charge of the land of Israel, so God's people, the Jews, they lived in exile. They wanted to be in Jerusalem, where the temple of God had been, where God's very presence had been, but they were in exile. So Ezra was born, he grew up in a foreign country. And as the Persians rose to power, their king Cyrus decreed that the Jews could go back to Jerusalem. And even better than that, they could go back and they could rebuild that temple. This was a huge blessing to the people of Israel. And Ezra was appointed to lead a group of people, a group of exiles, back to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding <coughs> excuse me, that temple. I'm still working on this cough. I'll let you know when I get it perfected there. So God chose Ezra for a very significant task. It was no accident that Ezra was chosen to lead the people in this significant way. He was chosen in part because God had blessed him in many, many ways. In fact, the book of Ezra says, the gracious hand of Yahweh his God was on him. It tells us that six different times in the book of Ezra. God had appointed him to this very special task, and that was not By accident. Of course, nothing God does is by accident, but God chose Ezra in particular. And so it makes us kind of wonder, why Ezra? What's so special about him that God would choose him for such an important task? And the book of Ezra, it lists his genealogy, lists all of his ancestors. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe if we looked at his ancestry, we could see that he comes from a really special line of people. But I don't think that's the case. I think there was something else about Ezra that God blessed that allowed him to be in this position to lead other people so well. I think it's because he resolved to make himself better for the sake of other people. And that's the model that Ezra provides for us, how to grow ourselves in a way that benefits other people. So I say that Ezra is a model for us to follow in part because how he lived. He lived in a way that honored God and he lived in a way that God was willing to bless him. And so this morning, we're gonna learn from his example. And to do that, we're gonna look at just one verse from the book of Ezra, one verse that's a description of Ezra himself, a description of how he lived, and then we'll see how we can shape our own lives in a way that honors God just as Ezra did. We can resolve to make ourselves better for the sake of others. So we're going to look at Ezra chapter 7, verse 10, just one verse. I'll have it up here on the screens. It says this, Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of Yahweh, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. So I told you that uh, Ezra had the hand of God on him, meaning he had blessings from God in his life. God was able to do these wonderful things through him and in him, and, and his life was a blessing to other people. God used him in this very critical chapter in the life of Israel. But Ezra was not a, a puppet, not used by God apart from his own knowledge and drive and his own skills. God used him in part because of this verse that we just read. He played his own part in securing these blessings from God. 
And that's why he's a model for each of us. He was used by God because he put himself in a position to be used by God. And the good news for us this morning is that we can do the same thing. We can follow the example of Ezra. We can put ourselves in a position to be used by God (coughs) this year. And the way for us to do that is the same way that Ezra did. Look at the verse with me one more time. Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of Yahweh, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. This verse is an excellent summary of the, the heart of Ezra, and it's our model as we head into a new year. Let's look carefully at this model of Ezra. The verse starts off telling us he had determined in his heart to study the law of Yahweh. The law of Yahweh is the Bible. For Ezra, he had only a portion of what we have in the Bible. We have so much more from God than he did. But Ezra determined to study in his heart the Bible, the word of God. And so the first step for Ezra was studying the Bible. (laughs) And that's the first step for us too, study it. I told you that how to study the Bible is a frequently searched term on the internet over 538,000 times each month. Hey, thanks, I'll probably need that, yeah. A lot of us want to be better at reading our Bibles and getting something out of it. And I think the key is exactly what Ezra does here. He determined in his heart to study God's word. The idea behind this phrase is that he he devoted his whole life to it. Ezra was used by God to do all kinds of amazing things for the people of Israel. And a big part of his calling was his complete devotion to God's word. He devoted himself to studying God's word. And the idea here is not just reading, not just casual or devotional reading, but actual study, taking concentrated time with the Bible each and every day. He devoted his life to it. Because really, that's the reality for Ezra and for us. We have to start with our own hearts. Even if we want to be better for the sake of other people, we have to start with ourselves. None of us will be world changers. None of us will be used by God if our hearts are not aligned to his. And the way we align ourselves to God is to study the word, to make that a priority for us each and every day. And before we could do what God wants us to do or teach anybody else what God wants them to do, we need to know what God wants us to do. And that means studying God's word. I love this quote that I read about Ezra. The unrelenting ambition of his life was to know the word of God. Is that our ambition? Are we unrelenting in our desire to spend time with God through his word? Or do we take it or leave it depending on how busy we are that day? Is that in our own New Year's resolutions, to set our hearts on the study of God's word, complete devotion to the word of God? Back in the 1950s, a group of people made a decision to do just that, to devote themselves to the word of God. They were concerned not just about themselves, but they were concerned about others, concerned about the world that was moving farther and farther away from God. And they recognized that the way to influence the world, the way that they could make a difference, was not just within themselves, but with God's own words, with the Bible. So they set their hearts to study the word. That group of people made the word of God their primary focus, and they gathered each week in a basement on Egan Street right here in Walla Walla. Of course, many of you know that group of people became the seed that God used to plant 
this church right here, Trinity. For our entire existence as a faith family, we've been built on the careful study of God's word right from the beginning. And it's not just for our own growth and development, but it's for others. This church exists to make disciples in this valley and all around the world. And that's built on this very first step, this example that we see from Ezra, studying the word, devotion to the word of God. And as we draw closer and closer to having our new pastor here in place, that's going to continue. I know our church will continue to be a church that's not just in this valley, but a church that is for this valley. And I know we'll continue to be a church that's grounded, devoted to studying the word of God, not just for our sake, but for the sake of others. That focus on the Bible, it shows up all over our, our key ministries too. Our growth groups are built around studying the Bible together. Our adult Bible classes, we've got a variety of different topics, but we always have one that's continually focused on the Bible. Our kids and youth ministry are the same. Kids are exposed to the Bible, encouraged to memorize it in age-appropriate ways. It's an ever-present source of concentration for us here. So that's the first thing that we can learn from Ezra. Studying the Word is critical for us as individuals and as a church. But there's more to this verse, this model that Ezra provides for us. Because Ezra was not just a studier of the word. He didn't just sit around and read his Bible and feel good about himself. He did not only want to learn the Bible, he wanted to live it. He has more to teach us through his example. Look at the verse with me again. Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of Yahweh, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. So the second thing we learn from his example is that he obeyed the word. And that's what we should do too, obey. Ezra spent his time studying the word of God so that he could put it into practice. The scripture says he set his heart to do the law that he had studied. And this is a crucial step where so many of us fall flat. We might commit to reading the word. We might even commit to studying the word so that we could understand it. But we fall short of actually doing it, obeying it. That's a crucial step, not just for our own sake, but again, For the sake of others. If we're not obeying the word, if we're not changed by our study of the word, then all our efforts are really in vain. The New Testament tells us the same thing. James, the brother of Jesus, uses a great analogy to describe what it means to study the word without obeying it. Listen to these words from James chapter 1. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. He looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. James tells us that the Bible is like holding a mirror up to ourselves. We, we study the word so that we see ourselves most clearly. We see ourselves in the light of God, the way he made us to be, to, to be the way he intends us to be. So we, we study the word because we hope to understand ourselves, our true selves. See, God has the right to define each and every one of us, and he shines his light on us through his word. As James says, it's like looking in a mirror seeing ourselves clearly. Have you ever had those kinds of moments? Moments when you're reading the Bible and things just become clear to you? You know, things you were confused about or unclear on, they're suddenly just lit up for you? That's how the word is. It illuminates us, who we really are. But if we don't obey it, 
It's just like we see ourselves, we look in the mirror, and then we immediately forget what we look like. We forget what kind of person we are. We have to put into practice the kind of things that God wants for us. Our study has to result in action, in doing. That's what James says too. The person who looks intently into God's word is a doer. You can't help but be changed by the word and have that change show up in our actions. That's how it should be. Our study has to involve doing. If we want to be blessed, if we want to be the kind of people like Ezra who are blessed by God, who have the hand of the Lord on us, then we must be people who study the word but also do it. We have to live it. James echoes that sentiment too. The kind of person who's blessed in what he does is the person who's a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Makes me think of the story. A person was walking out of church, saw the preacher at the door after the service, said, Pastor, that was a wonderful sermon. The pastor said, well, that remains to be seen, doesn't it? That's exactly Ezra's approach. What good is it to study the Bible if we don't also live it? So there's a third part of this verse, a third habit that Ezra models for us. Look at Ezra 7.10 with me again. Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of Yahweh, obey it, and to teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. So Ezra not only set his heart to study the word, he also set his heart to obey it, and finally he set his heart to teaching the word. That's the third step for us. And I can hear what you're saying, I'm not a teacher, I'm not capable of that. Let me just say, part of the plan that God has for each and every one of us is passing on the things that we've learned. That's the third lesson for each of us. We study the word, we do it, and we pass it on. And I'll say it doesn't necessarily mean we pass it on in in formal teaching and classroom settings. It might just be passing on what we've learned in casual conversations with friends, right? Something that happened so many times in my life is I've been studying the word, I've been reading the Bible in the morning, and later that day I'll be in a conversation with somebody, and what I read in the Bible that morning is exactly what that person needs to hear. It happens to me all the time. Uh, I get to pass on what God is teaching me in the Bible. And for me, I get to pass it on every single Sunday. That's a whole other thing. But, but I'm talking about just individual conversations. It's always such a blessing to be able to, to bless other people, to benefit other people through my own study of the Word. Uh, in fact, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, we were reading the Bible apart from each other. And uh, she shared with me what she had read. It was just what I needed to hear that day. And then later on in the day, I shared with her what I had read earlier that morning, and it was just what she needed to hear. We both passed it on to each other. We should have just traded what we were reading, I guess, that morning. But, but we got the benefit not only of our own study of the Word, but also being able to pass it on. In our study of the book of Hebrews this fall, we came across this verse from Hebrews 3. Encourage each other daily, while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Each of us encourages each of us. We resolve to make ourselves better for the sake of other people. And how do we encourage one another? We don't just say, attaboy, you can do it. No, we encourage each other through God's word, through the things that God is teaching us. We pass it on. I'm sure you heard the famous advertising slogan for Nike, just do it, right? Ezra would have said, I can't just do it. If I want to learn how to do it, I got to study it. And if it's worth doing I'm going to be compelled to do it and teach other people how to do it too. But that's too long to fit on a t-shirt. His slogan might be more like this. Don't just do it, study it, do it, then teach it. All three pieces are important to him, and all three steps are critical for us too. 
And the order is very significant. You can't practice what you haven't thoroughly learned, and you can't convincingly teach what you haven't practically applied yourself. We have to resolve to study for ourselves, obey it in our own lives, and we pass it on to other people. We said this morning that our resolution should not just be for ourselves, but for others. We should be focusing on helping other people, and that's the way we do it. We study the word, we put it into practice, and we pass it on. All three steps are necessary for us to be blessed and for us to be a blessing to other people. There's another thing I want us to notice about the life of Ezra, something else that we can learn from his example. Notice the scope of Ezra's vision. He wanted to teach God's word in Israel. He wanted to reach his entire nation with the word of God. And I think having that kind of vision is a critical piece to success in studying the word. If our only vision is our own self-improvement, it's easy for us to fall off track, to slack off. It's easy for us to cheat ourselves out of God's word. But if we have a vision for others, then we're compelled by that vision to keep going, to keep growing. See, our church, it, it stands right on the precipice, right on the brink. As we bring in a new pastor, there's going to be new energy, there's going to be new vision, We can't depend on that person alone to to drive us. We need to have our own vision for this valley, our own burden, our own vision of how God wants to use us. Without that vision, without us having our own relationships, then, you know, we don't have our own sense of urgency. We don't carry the message of God out of here. We're just going to place all that burden on our new pastor. We're going to wear that poor guy out. We have to develop and keep our own vision, just like Ezra had. There's been a lot of talk this coming year, 2020, the year of perfect vision, right? Well, for us, this coming year, we need a vision for the people in our lives. We need to resolve to grow ourselves for the sake of other people. We need to study the word, obey it, and pass it on to the people that God has put in our lives. Encouraging each other, letting what happens in here really show up out there. Encouraging others with God's word. Sharing the gospel with our lives and with our words. It's been said that the Bible is like plutonium. If all you do is ingest it, it's just going to make you sick. But if you wire it into your life, it's explosive. If all you ever do is study the word, then you'll sit here, you'll soak it in, and you'll sour. If you follow the example of Ezra, you'll sit here, You'll soak in God's word and fellowship with others, and then you'll be sent. Sent to go and make disciples in this valley and beyond. So let's let the example of Ezra drive us toward our own vision for growth and for other people this year. When I was a teenager, some folks I knew started a band. They named their band Better Than Ezra. Now, I don't know why they chose that name. I don't think they had this particular passage in mind, uh, this particular person named Ezra, but there is something that's better than Ezra. We've been looking at Ezra as this model for us to follow, but there's something that's better than Ezra, someone. Ezra didn't know this at the time, but we know now that Jesus came to earth, and he perfectly fulfilled this example that Ezra started. Jesus understood the word of God perfectly from beginning to end. He obeyed the word of God perfectly his entire life. He was completely without sin in every way. He obeyed God all the way to the cross. His whole life and his death was in obedience to the word of God. 
and he passed it on. He not only obeyed, but he commissioned his disciples to go and do the same, to make disciples of all nations, to live for the sake of other people. So as we follow Ezra's example, we're also following the example of Jesus, the perfect example that he set that empowers us to be able to do his will, to fellowship with him, to make disciples with the authority that he gives us. Ezra was blessed by God in part because of his obedience to study the word, to obey it, and to pass it on. And Jesus said the same thing to his disciples. He said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. For Jesus, just as for Ezra, knowing the word has to be accompanied by doing the word, obeying. And you can't obey, you can't follow the example of Jesus without passing it on. That's our vision for this year to come, a resolution that's not just focused on ourselves, but on other people. In your worship folder, you've got a handout that gives you some options for how you might make 2020 the year of studying the Word. Reading plan looks just like this. And uh, we've got a variety of plans. There's plans for any of us, whatever our level might be in terms of our engagement with God's Word. We're blessed as a church to have a lot of folks who have been followers of Jesus for a really long time and a lot of folks who are highly capable of studying God's Word and getting a lot out of it. We're also blessed to have a lot of people that are pretty new to the Bible, new to reading it, have a hard time maybe taking it all in and making sense of it. So wherever you are, I want to leave us all with a very practical step, our first step in following the example of Ezra and the example of Jesus, a practical step that helps each of us get focused on the year to come focused on studying the Word. And you can see in that handout that there's all kinds of different reading plans. They're designed for a variety of different levels, different types of focus. And I want to just take a moment as we wrap up briefly just to talk through the different options that you can take home, go home and pick a plan that's only going to be the most benefit to you. And the first one you see there at level one is just reading a short passage of Scripture each day. And there's a couple of different options. One is very, very simple. Uh, you can just go to the YouVersion app on your phone or your tablet and search for a verse-a-day reading plan. I mean, frankly, they got like a bajillion reading plans. So you can find something that appeals to you, go for it, that's great. But if you want to just start with a verse-a-day, then, then do that. You keep that verse in your mind throughout the day. You know, Write it down, keep it with you, keep meditating on it, thinking about it throughout the day. Let that soak into you, let it change you. And that may be all you need, all you can hang on to, just one verse right now. That's okay. That's a great place to start. Uh, One of the other things we have here at Trinity is a little booklet we call our Daily Bread. looks just like this. It's a little small devotional book. It takes a verse each day and has a little uh, explanation, a little reflection on it. That might be really helpful to you, and a lot of folks benefit from that. It gives us something specific to think about as you're reading through, you know. And you could pick up a copy of this out in the foyer at the Guest Services Center. Uh, If you run out, then you can grab this one from me. So that's what we're calling Level 1. Level 2 has you reading an entire chapter a day. And that's helpful because you get a little bit more context over the course of a couple of weeks or a month, and you've read through a whole book of the Bible. That's super helpful. But uh, we've also assembled some other chapter-a-day plans that are going to give you a slightly different focus. Um, you can read a chapter a day, you can just work through the book of the Bible, or you can read one of the plans we've got on the handout here. We've got this chronological plan that takes you through the book in 
the Bible in chronological order. You may or may not know, but the Bible is not really published in chronological order. It's, it's, uh, the, the order it's printed in is not necessarily the most helpful way to read it. So you can follow a chronological plan to get the Bible in a little bit more context. And the, the first plan you see there under level two is a, a condensed chronological plan. So it's like the, the Bible's greatest hits, so to speak, uh, Bible events and stories. So you're not necessarily going to read the whole Bible in a year if you do that one. The other chapter day plan we've highlighted there is what they call the Essential Jesus Challenge. So you can see the description. It's a hundred essential passages that focus on uh, the purpose and uh, the identity and the teachings of Jesus. So that's a great choice if you really want to keep your focus on Jesus this year. So you can work your way through a particular book. You can work your way through the Bible chronologically. You can just focus on Jesus. All good options there for level two. If you flip it over, you'll see level three. This is a level that's got you reading like three to five chapters a day, a little bit more reading, but uh, certainly a lot more rewarding. With three chapters a day, you can read through the whole Bible in a year. I've done that several times over the years, and it's always so rewarding. You get so much sense of context and connections between books when you read that way. I'd really recommend, if you've never read through the Bible in a year, I'd love to have you do that this year. Uh, Another popular reading plan you see it there is named after this Scottish pastor, Robert Murray McShane. He's, uh, his plan is a, is a way to read through the Bible in a year. It's a little specific pattern. You end up reading the New Testament and the book of Psalms through twice and the Old Testament through once. I've done that plan. Very fruitful. Uh, I'd encourage you to, to look into that as well. And finally, you see level four. Uh, if you're really ready for a challenge, if you've got uh, uh, a lot of time on your hands this year, you want to really be immersed in God's word, then you can undertake what they call the Professor Horner Bible Reading System. In this plan, you read about 10 chapters of the Bible a day. There's a, a specific pattern you can find online there. I've never tried that. I know some people who have done it. I think it's uh, pretty, uh, pretty helpful, I think. But all these plans are available online. You can see the links there in your handout. So just give one of them a shot this year and uh, follow the example of Ezra. Commit yourself to study the word, to obey it, and to pass it on. Make a New Year's resolution that's going to be a blessing to you and to other people. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, Just as your son Jesus prayed, your word is truth, and we want to be sanctified by that truth, made holy by that truth. And uh, I pray that as individuals, we would be compelled to make this year a year of perfect vision for ourselves and for our church, a, uh, a vision that drives us to make ourselves better for the sake of others. And God, I pray that you would uh, give us each uh, a burning sense of how you want to speak to us through your word each and every day this year. And even if that's something that we've never done before, or that's something we've done for years and years, give us a fresh sense of urgency about that as we launch into this new year. And uh, we thank you. Your word tells us that uh, you equip us with everything good so that we can do your will. And we know that that includes not only the, the blessings that you've already given us, but the blessings that you want to continue to give us as we try to make ourselves uh, people who serve and bless other people this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.